You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Thursday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. Excited to be back for our final episode of the week before the holidays. Just a reminder, we do not have a show dropping tomorrow. It is, you know, it is Christmas. I'm not going to be working, to be honest. I'll be hanging out with my my wife and my dogs and my cat. I hope you have a fantastic Christmas. We're going to be wrapping up with this show, and we'll be back on Monday of next week, breaking down what hopefully is an Iowa-Missouri game. We also might drop a special episode Saturday or Sunday, depending on how we feel at the Iowa-Minnesota basketball game. But on today's show, a little bit shorter of an episode, but we are going to be breaking down that upcoming matchup between the men's basketball team versus Minnesota, another conference game. And again, after last, you know, after two nights ago, I was very, very happy with how Iowa came out defensively. If they can play like that defensively, they can be any team in the nation. So we'll be talking about the Iowa versus Minnesota game. We also got some news about... A player who has officially opted out from the bowl game for Iowa. We're going to talk about Amir Smith-Marset as well. Also, then we're going to get into some of the grad transfer conversation because Iowa does have some open opportunities. Should and could Iowa, or could and should Iowa, be going for a grad transfer. We're going to talk about that as well on the show. But before we get to any of that, please make sure if you love the show, if you've listened to the show before, please make sure to give us that five-star review. Let your friends know about it as well. Love, obviously, I'm getting more listeners and interactions with y'all. It's always, always a, a fun time. And please make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But let's get into it. Let's start off with the Mirseth Marset news. So the depth chart came out today. Mirseth Marset is not on it, as to be expected. Um, you know, he got injured during the Wisconsin game. It seemed like he was basically ready to go, right? He said that was, you know, for his last play in Kinnick Stadium, he wanted to do something fun, right? He wanted to go out with the bang, and he uh, he absolutely did. He went out with the bang. Good good job, Amir. You went out with the bang, um, and, and he's ultimately, I feel like we kind of knew, right? He wasn't going to come back for another year. We... I didn't think he was going to opt out, but he ultimately decided to opt out. And it sounds like he was planning on opting out anyways, but the ankle injury kind of furthered that along, obviously. So in his place is going to be uh, Tyrone Tracy Jr. I'm excited to see what Tyrone Tracy Jr. can continue to do. Um, he is a phenomenal player and a great player after the ball is in his hand. So the ability is really there with Tyrone Tracy, and I'm excited about that. As far as we know, no one else has opted out yet. And from the depth chart, we can't see anyone that has opted out. There's no one that clearly is not on the depth chart that we would expect to be there. So no opt-outs at this point outside of Amir Smith-Marset if that game even happens, which we talked about yesterday. Who knows if that game is actually going to happen. But Amir Smith-Marset, let's talk a little bit about him because he came to Iowa as a fast and speedy prospect, a guy who we were really excited about his athleticism, right? Um, but not an overly, you know, overly highly touted player by any means. He actually came, um, he was actually listed as a cornerback. He was the 16th hundred rated player in the nation, according to 24 seven sports. That just shows you what the recruiting rankings uh, mean at times. And he was six foot one, 155 pounds. So clearly needed to gain a little weight there. He enrolls at Iowa and his career takes off from there. Iowa got him the ball, tried to get him the ball as much as they could as a true freshman. Um, and, you know, to 
to some degree of success. But overall, um, it wasn't until that next year where he really started to shine. And, and Amir Smith has ended his career as one of the most electric players in Iowa Hawkeye history. As a true freshman, 18 catches, 187 yards, and two touchdowns. Also got seven rushing attempts. They knew what kind of speed he had. They wanted to get him the ball. Since then, though, the guy has really grown. And he finished his career with 110 receptions, 1,615 receiving yards, averaged 14.7 receiving yards or receiving yards per reception, and 14 touchdowns. Also had four touchdowns on the ground. And honestly, I feel like we're going to talk a little bit about where he ranks all time. He could have been a lot higher, I think. You know, had he had some stability at quarterback this year. Clearly, him and Spencer Petras were not on the same page at almost any given point throughout the season until that final game. So nice to see him go out with the bang. But let's look at what he did as a career or form his career. First, in career kickoff return yards per return at 28.7. 12th in NCAA history. First in the Big Ten. 10th in the Big Ten in kickoff return touchdowns with two. He had 110 catches, which ranks 16th all-time in Iowa Hawkeye history. His 1,615 receiving yards, 17th all-time in Hawkeye history. His 14 TDs, 11th in Hawkeye history. 30th in career yards from scrimmage. That includes his receiving and his rushing yards. And 21st all-time in TDs. Again, I I think we're really going to – I mean, what he did – we have not seen that at Iowa. We have not seen that kind of athleticism. And I I think we're really going to miss him next year, that speed and that dynamic ability. Um, Now, it's not going to be said about sometimes, you know, the – the antics at times, but I, I'm not going to get into that. I think, I think Amir Smith-Marset is a fantastic player, and although I don't really like the jump into the end zone, you know, you do you, you have a good time, you go out on top, and ultimately he showed up when it mattered, and he had a fan, you know, fantastic career, and that athleticism is something that we're not going to be able to replicate on a consistent basis. Uh, it's just, it just isn't. That kind of speed is not something you teach someone, um, but I do believe Behind him, Tyrone Tracy Jr. is going to be phenomenal um, in his spot next year. I'm really excited to see him and the other wide receivers underneath him. As we said, Kelton Copeland has done a fantastic job of building up this wide receiver group. And it you know it starts with the fact that he it started with Amir Smith Marset and Brandon Smith, two unheralded recruits, and they have really put the put together a fantastic career for Iowa. And now look at where that wide receiver group is four years later. It is one of the strongest positions for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now, speaking of other positions that might not be strong going into next season, we also want to talk about where are some potential opportunities for grad transfers. I know people have you know brought up the conversation about potentially quarterback. I want to talk a little bit about defensive tackle. But we're going to talk about that on segment number two of the show. Before we get into segment number two, though, as you know, I got a very important message for you because if you're anything like me, you're constantly on the go. You're constantly moving moving around, constantly doing something. It's the holiday season, so there's always things going on, right? Well, sometimes for your sanity, you just need to take a second, relax, and chill, and there's nothing better to help you chill out than grabbing yourself the only beer out there that's actually made to chill, and that is an ice-cold Coors Light. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill, and it's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind, which believe me, I know. I live out here in Colorado. The air is crisp. It's refreshing, and grabbing yourself an ice-cold Coors Light after a long day of work or whatever it may be, nothing tastes better than that. Coors Light is the one I choose, and I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's right, folks. It can actually be delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And remember to celebrate responsibly. This message is brought to you by Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. And as you know, because you've heard me talk about it a lot this week, I am 
an avid sports gambler. I, I like betting on a couple of different games each and every day. And there's no better place to go than betonline.ag. It's the only place that has you covered and the one place that I trust to lock in all of my great bets throughout the day. Go to betonline.ag. And if you haven't checked out Locked On Bets, is doing a, a show every single day, giving you the lines on betonline.ag and what you should be betting on. So if you want to put a little extra money in your pocket, go to betonline.ag, especially right now. I mean, there's bowl season going on. We got the NBA starting back up. We got the NFL regular season finishing and playoff time. Hockey is going to be starting in a month. There are so many sports happening right now. There's only one place to go to make sure you can get on the action, and that is betonline.ag. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code, though. Locked on. That's right. The promo code locked on will let you receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's right. Go to betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on. Betonline.ag, your online sports books experts. And again, I talked about it. Locked on bets. If you aren't winning money right now, you got to go to locked on bets because betting on your team doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new locked on bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the locked on bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast at. And let's get into the grad transfer conversation. Let's first kick it off with the fact that Iowa is not a transfer destination. All right, we've seen it happen recently, and I want to explain why it's happened recently. A, Iowa has lost seven defensive linemen in the last two years. They're about to lose at least two more, at least. That's nine starting defensive linemen in three years. That's the kind of production that even Alabama can't replace on a consistent basis. Somehow, Iowa has done it, but because of those departures, right? AJ Epineza leaving early, um, Anthony Nelson leaving early, likely Davia Nixon leaving early. You're not expecting that from a developmental program like Iowa, despite the fact that they've been very successful at developing players at those positions. Now, because of that, they have had to open up the exploration of the grad transfer market and the, the transfer portal in general. Iowa is not a destination where people typically go to transfer. And the reason why is Kirk Ferentz is building a program there. He's been building a program there for the last 20 something years. And part of that program is finding guys who buy in from the moment they've set foot on campus. He wants to find guys who know and understand how to be a Hawkeye. All right. And going through the grad transfer market or even the transfer portal, it's tough to find guys who are able to fit into that locker room and understand what it means to be a Hawkeye in just a year. You want to find guys who are going to fit into that scheme and fit well into that scheme. You don't want a distraction. And But the good thing is Iowa has found some success lately. They brought in Zach Van Valkenburg two years ago, D2 transfer, and look at what he did this year, all Big Ten. Jack Heflin, Northern Illinois grad, fantastic player, right? There's another... Grad, you know, another transfer student we got from Northern Illinois as well. Look at Charlie Jones. He transferred from Buffalo. So you're starting to see some of this success there, but there's one commonality between all of those guys. Koi Kronk is maybe the exception here. Koi Kronk also transferred last year. It's that Iowa has a position of need and it matches up with a person who fits what Iowa wants to do. And specifically, when you look at those Northern Illinois guys and Charlie Jones, the commonality is they're coming from the Midwest. Those guys grew up wanting to either be Hawkeyes or knew very much about Iowa and were wanting to be a part of that program. Iowa was maybe not willing to offer them at that time, but they ultimately were able to bring them in later on. 
after seeing how they developed. And again, Charlie Jones is a, a phenomenal story because he walked on to Iowa after leaving Buffalo despite playing games at Buffalo as a freshman. So that's the commonality here. You want to find guys, and, and typically you want to find guys that understand the Iowa way. And typically that means that Iowa either has a relationship with them already. They have a familiarity with them already. So that leaves either Midwestern guys they may have recruited, or it leaves possibly Big Ten guys as well. And so when I think about that, and we think about this upcoming year, there's only a couple spots I really feel like Iowa could utilize a grad transfer. And some might say quarterback. No. Here's why. Brian Ferentz's offensive system is actually pretty complex. It is not an easy system to run. It's a pro-style offense. There's a lot of reason in it. And it is not easy for someone to come in and pick up. And I do truly believe that Iowa feels very confident in Spencer Petrus's growth from this year to next, also while having that competition of Alex Padilla and Deuce Hogan. So I don't feel like they're going to bring in a grad transfer quarterback. Running back doesn't make sense. They're pretty locked and loaded there outside of the younger guys. They want to obviously bring in a recruit, if possible, into this upcoming class. But right now, that, that running back room is, is solid. It's fine. Wide receiver. We are loaded there from a young positions or young player standpoint tight end we are good there as well no issues there at either um, honestly along the offensive line depending on how that shakes out I could see Iowa being interested in bringing in a tackle prospect again but I do believe they feel pretty comfortable with the recruits they have because there are a lot of highly touted recruits sitting behind guys like a Mark Kallenberger who played very well this year in you know in the playing time when Coy Cronk was injured. So I, I do believe Iowa feels comfortable with the guys they have. Now last year, pl- replacing a Tristan Wirfs, Coy Cronk coming on the market, you got to take that opportunity, you got to take that leap to get a guy who was an all-Big Ten type of player. Um, it didn't work out perfectly for Iowa, but you got to take that leap. I don't think we need to take that leap this year. They knew Alaric Jackson was leaving at this point. You can plan for that because he is a you know he's a fifth year senior. So you knew that was happening. Now if Tyler Linderbaum leaves, I'll be interested to see what happens at that center position. Not a place I expect Iowa to explore the transfer market either. I think they have a couple guys that can fill in there um, internally. So let's move over defensive side of the ball. You don't, you don't typically bring in kickers and punters, um, especially not now that you have Torrey Taylor. Obviously, we brought Michael Sleep Dalton in. That was an exception because our punter position was not doing well. Michael Sleep Dalton is a stud. But we don't need a punter. We don't need a kicker. We don't really need a linebacker. I think our linebacker position is pretty set despite the fact that we're losing Nick Neiman. I feel like Seth Benson, Jack Campbell are going to lock it down in the middle. We also have Justin Jacobs as well and Jay Higgins. Defensive line and cornerback, that's where it gets interesting. Because at corner, you're losing Matt Hankins. Julius Brent's transferred. Now you lose two of your top four corners. Um, can Terry Roberts step in? Because he's the next guy up. He is the next guy up. And I think clearly what we saw on special teams, he has the ability to be a, a, an outstanding player. But does Iowa trust him or not? I think there could be a look at some, you know, maybe a cornerback. I I can't imagine they actually do it, but I could see them going for a cornerback. Defensive line, though, they're going to need some help. They're losing Chauncey Golson. They're losing Davian Nixon. They're likely losing Zach Van Valkenburg and maybe Jack Heflin. That's a lot of guys. You could be losing all four starters again. So Iowa need some help, need some reinforcements. And that's not saying that what they have behind that those guys are not good players, but I just don't believe replacing four guys is the easiest task. And there's one guy I've kind of locked in on as of right now. Just recently went on the transfer market. Antonio Hilton of Penn State, defensive tackle for Penn State. Uh, a guy who's started 20 games in his career at Penn State and shown the ability to rush the passer as a defensive tackle. In four seasons for Penn State, 20 starts, 51 tackles, 12 and a half tackles for loss, six tackles or six sacks, excuse me. 
and one pass defended and one forced fumble. This past season, despite the fact that Penn State was not a very good team, right? He had 14 tackles, four and a half for loss, and three and a half sacks. Again, getting pressure up the middle. He has decided to transfer. Six foot two, 327 pounds. He has familiarity with Iowa. Iowa did not recruit him when he came out of college or when he came out of high school, but he has familiarity with the program. He could stay in the Big Ten, and Coy Cronk talked about it. Iowa was a program he wanted to be at for a couple of reasons. A, he loves how Iowa develops offensive linemen, and B, he already knew a lot about the teams in that conference. Can Antonio Shelton follow that? Follow that? path because Iowa clearly can develop defensive linemen and he has some talent. He's not going to the NFL draft and he has that familiarity with the, you know, with the, the big 10. So I, I could see that being an option for Iowa next year coming up. You know, they do have four open scholarships. There's likely going to be a few more guys leaving. Um, they're going to need to explore some of that transfer market opportunities, especially with this being such an interesting year, kind of being a free year where people are going to be transferring probably a bit more freely than they have in the past because they don't have to sit out that year of waiting for their eligibility. So I think that's an option. We're going to keep you posted though as we hear more news, notes, and rumors about the transfer market or the transfer portal and whether Iowa is being involved and who they're being involved with. So we'll keep you covered on all of that. Coming up on segment number three though, we're going to break down the Iowa versus Minnesota game giving you all the information you need to know for that game. That'll be coming up in just a few short seconds. Looking for a Sunday pregame show that talks about every game and every team in depth? Check out the Locked On NFL Sunday show live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time. No sketches, no celebrity cameos, no fluff, just football. Every Sunday morning with hosts Cody Rourke and Ross Jackson. Follow and subscribe to the Locked On Live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And don't forget to turn on notifications to be notified when the show goes live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Let's get into it, though. Iowa is playing Minnesota tomorrow night, Chris, or tomorrow, excuse me, Christmas Day. Um, you're probably spending time with your family. Probably a good thing to have that TV on as well because it is going to be a fun Big Ten battle. Minnesota is not as good of a team as they were last year. They think they're a solid team, right? They still returned Marcus Carr. They had a fantastic transfer in Liam Robbins, who anyone who's from the state of Iowa probably heard a lot about being a Drake. But this is a game that Iowa should win despite the fact that they're going on the road. Ken Palm projects Iowa to win 85-80 and gives it a 68% chance. And I do believe Iowa matches up relatively well against Minnesota, especially if Iowa plays that same level of intensity that they did against Purdue defensively and on the glass. All right. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that before we get into the Minnesota talk, because there's a lot of concerns about Iowa's defense, especially after the Gonzaga game. And I was one of those people. I talked about it. I said, Iowa struggled and they did. Let's not, let's not buffer the fact that they struggled defensively. They could not grab the rebounds they needed to grab. They proved to us they can do that. They did that against Purdue. Purdue is a good team, all right? They are a good offensive rebounding team as well. And Iowa stopped them. They did a fantastic job. And because of that effort, their Ken Palm defensive efficiency ranking actually went up to 61, right? It's, it's been in hovering in the late, uh, late 70s, early 80s, and it moved up to 61 after beating Purdue. So that's how well Ken Palm thought Minnesota, or Iowa did defensively. And if you look at that defensive rating on the scale of Fran McCaffrey's era or term or tenure, I should say, at Iowa, 
this team would actually have the fourth highest defensive rated team in the Fran McCaffrey area. Now, I do believe there's still more opportunity. If Iowa continues to play like that, they're going to continue to see that defensive efficiency ranking move up. Not that they actually care about that, but when you're looking at it from an analytical perspective, Iowa does have the ability to be better on the defensive end. We saw the hustle, the effort, every single possession against Purdue, and I expect that to carry over into Minnesota now that they realize because they, they weren't shooting the ball as well as they wanted to. Right, Not every guy was getting his stuff going, but when you can play defense like that and hold a, a solid Purdue offense to 55 points, that's something to hang your hats on. That is that is demoralizing for the opposing team, and against Minnesota, I believe they have the ability to do that as well. It is going to be an interesting game, though, because it is going to be played fast. Minnesota is 18th in adjusted tempo. We all know that Iowa likes to play fast as well, but where Minnesota is not good at is actually shooting the ball, all right? They're 248th in three-point shooting at 30.1%. They're also not the most efficient shooting team in general. Right now, 48.2 effective field goal percentage, which is 208th in Ken Palm. And we talked about it. Marcus Carr is a pretty solid guard, but they don't have a lot of scoring there, a lot of efficient scoring. So that's a good opportunity for Iowa. Despite the fact that Minnesota plays fast, they can't score the ball. They can't score as well as you would typically expect. According to Kempom, 48th in offensive adjusted efficiency, 50th in defensive adjusted efficiency. They lost Daniel Arturo from last year, but they brought in Liam Robbins. And Liam Robbins is going to be an interesting test for, for Luka Garza. He wanted to come to Minnesota because he wanted to test himself and get better. At Drake, he was on the Missouri Valley Conference all-defensive team, 7-foot tall, 235-pound junior. He was a fantastic defensive player for Drake. I mean, he there were times where he had 7, 8 blocks. He would have more blocks himself than the entire team had that whole game, right? This year in the entire NCAA, he's 196th in defensive rating. So he's going to be giving Luka Garza a challenge. And Liam Robbins, athletic kid, came out of Davenport Assumption, under-recruited, clearly has improved. Um, I believe his, his dad or uncle is now a coach in Minnesota, which is part of the reason why he ended up going to Minnesota. But he wanted to have that opportunity to play some of the best, like a Luka Garza. Well, now he gets his chance. And Luka Garza also gets his chance to show Liam Robbins he has a little bit more improving to do because Luka Garza is the best player in college basketball, without a doubt. Let's get into this lineup, though, because Minnesota has a pretty solid-sized lineup. Marcus Carr, 6'2", Gabe Kalisher, 6'4", both Gage, Gage, 6'6", Isaiah Enhan, 6'9", Liam Robbins, 7 foot. Their subs, Brandon Johnson, their, their two main subs, Brandon Johnson at the four, 6'8", and Eric Curry, 6'9", 240 pounds at center. They have a lot of size. But where Iowa can be effective at is... Forcing Marcus Carr into bad possessions, forcing him into turning the ball over. And Marcus Carr has not done well against Iowa historically. Last year, he played 39 minutes and 40 minutes in their two matchups. In those games, went 3 of 12 and 1 of 10 from the field. Not exactly ideal. He is a fantastic passer. He's shooting well from the three-pointer or from the perimeter at 37%, shooting 50% from two. He's averaging 23.9 points per game. But again, I think Iowa can put pressure on him and force him into a bad game. You do not want Marcus Carr to beat you. Jalen Suggs is the best comparison we've seen so far. Um, and Jalen Suggs is way better than Marcus Carr, but a comparison-wise of kind of where they at are on or where they are at on their teams, Jalen Suggs was the star of Gonzaga. Coming into that game, he was averaging 1.67 turnovers per game. He had seven versus Iowa, and his average jumped up to three after playing Iowa. Marcus Carr, he's at 2.4 turnovers. His turnover percentage is 27th in the nation at 15.4%. Now, there's an opportunity there. I believe Iowa can, can put pressure on him. They're going to force him to try to get the ball out quickly. 
And I think he's going to struggle with that. So that's an opportunity to watch. Also, Liam Robbins, again, that defensive efficiency ranking, he is a fantastic defender. He's ranked 36 in the nation in block percentage. Be wary of that. He does get into foul trouble, though. And that comes with the territory of being such a good shot blocker. Your feet are going to, you're going to be leaving your feet. You're going to be in bad position. Luka Garza is the best in the business at getting guys in bad positions. He's averaging 3.8 fouls per game. That is an opportunity. Rick Pitino likes to play guys even though they have two, three fouls, unlike Fred McCaffrey. But that is an opportunity for Luka Garza to get Liam Robinson in foul trouble, get Minnesota down to their second-string guys. Minnesota this season has had a solid – they're 7-1. and one. They're not a bad team. They lost, They got just shellacked by Illinois, though. Probably a bad timing situation with Illinois coming off a weird game. They lost Illinois 92-65, to and they beat St. Louis 90-82. Those are really the only two games that you can look at and say, oh, Minnesota did a good job against good programs. Um, outside of that, they haven't really played a lot, though. Personally, again, Ken Palm projects is 85-80. to I don't think Minnesota has the offense to stay with Iowa. And if Iowa brings that defensive energy they brought against Purdue, I believe they can hold Minnesota to 60 points. I do believe at some point Iowa's three-point shooting is going to be hot again. We saw it against North Carolina. They were hot all around. We haven't seen it as much lately, right? We saw it against Gonzaga where no one was really hitting the three ball very well. Against Purdue, Luka Garza was the main shooter from three. Jordan Bohannon was starting to get a little bit, getting a little bit rhythm later on. But I think we're going to see an Iowa team that's sharp coming out against Minnesota on Christmas Day. Um, a big-time game that they're going to need to get that 2-0 conference record. I'm excited for it, and we're going to be breaking that game down after it's done, either Saturday or Sunday, most likely, depending on how I'm feeling, um, depending on how much time I have. Either way, we'll be at least breaking down the game on Monday at the very latest, so stay tuned for that. Hawkeye Nation, you have no idea how much I appreciate you tuning in each and every day of our daily podcast. If you love the show, give us that five-star review, and... As always, Hawkeye Nation, go Hawks and Merry Christmas.